We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. And uh, this is the show where, uh, well, it's Monday. Well, it's Monday. You know what we do on Mondays? It's Mondays with McCool. James McCool is here at paydirt underscore DFS. He's the co author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass you could find at theoryofdfs.com. Uh, you know what we do on Mondays. Mondays, we don't really talk about yesterday's slate. We talk about mostly strategy. We have a nice little discussion. Answer questions in the chat if you got any. I see you guys there. Daniel Hutchings, Suki Singh, Doug Montgomery, Edward Brown, Jupocalypse, Joe Macko, 58, Brendan McNeil, Frederick Duke, Woo-Woo J-Train. Okay, that's a new one. Mike Blaze, Matt Noah. Quinn Williams, you know what to do. Hit the thumbs up button. I got my apple juice. Keep it cold throughout the show. Give me the thummy thumbs. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. And James, uh, we, we should hit the celebratory bells for you uh, mm-hmm. because you're 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 almost done with your five hundred to the five thousand dollar challenge. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's funny. Like the last time I was on the show, and like the last time I was talking about, it, I was like, I'm not gonna have another hit until probably like June or something like that. But nope, two weeks in a row. Um, had another one. Uh, the biggest one so far. Uh, took down the four dollar twenty max with ten lineups. Um, okay, that's that's three thousand the first. Uh, two thousand. So it was two thousand that day because that, oh, that was okay. Early. It was what it was over the weekend, I guess. Yeah. Well, it was the early slate. It was a three gamer on. Ah. Uh, uh on friday i think yeah the three gamer no saturday the three gamer on saturday so it was the early slate and it was only 2000 first only 2000 first but um got there with uh with a tigers stack which had harold castro hitting that last walk off rbi to, to have me pass first so he was uh i actually had the same lineup as somebody else all the way down to harold castro so him being like 2% owned and having that last RBI pushed me past first place and the person I was tied with. So that was, uh, that always feels nice. I was rooting for the Tigers, which I've been doing for about a week straight now because they're just constantly in okay spots and constantly 2% owned and like Robbie. And also two, also $2,000 also. Yeah. And they're free and they're free. So like I can fit whatever pictures I want. I like, Another discussion that I've been having in my community, they're like, well, how much money do you leave on the table? I'm like, a lot of money when I'm stacking the Tigers. Because, like, if I stack the Tigers and the Orioles like I did yesterday, I end up like $7,000 left on the table. And, like, I don't I don't have anywhere to spend it. I have the two most expensive pitchers. But because the Tigers are free every slate and the Orioles are free every slate, if I end up having both, I, I, what do I do with my hands? Like, I don't have anything to do with my hands. So, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was another good hit. So we're up to uh, 
$3,428 on the current bankroll. Uh, the current ROI is 586%. That's not, um, which is good, which is obviously very sustainable. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm going to make 500% every single two weeks for the rest of the year. I'm going to be a millionaire. Actually, if I make that, I'll be like the richest person in the world by the end of the year. Anyway, um, buy-in went from when I started it, my, my in-play each slate was $16. That was 3%. Uh, now we're up to $103. So that's massive. You know, I, like I can do 20 in the big $5 tournament today if I want to go that route. Or uh, I can mix and match different tournaments. Like I can play the $4 and the mini max. Or I can play like the $3, $5, and $12 single entries and all those different things. So now we're kind of at that point in the bankroll where I can either start hitting larger uh, portfolios as in like managing 20 lineups or 30 or 40, if I play the mini match or something like that, or I can start playing some of like the, the low tier single entry stuff. If I want to be taking shots on single lineups. Um, but it's, we're, we're almost there. I mean, one more hit feasibly if I, if I hit in the next week, I guess would be the $5,000 challenge. I think I'm still going to have to hit twice. Um, because now that I'm playing with a hundred dollars, like, that $3,400 is going to start dropping down pretty quickly. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a, a pretty good show of like, you don't have to have a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of lineups to end up doing well. You just got to build good lineups. Right. You're, you're not, you're not playing the mini max. So it's not like you're playing 150 into the mini max. You're primarily playing lesser lineups into the 20 max. Yeah. 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 So I, I don't really want to play more than 20 lineups on any given slate. Um, it's not that I wouldn't be able to like do well with 150. It's just, I don't have the time or capacity as a content creator to manage 150 lineups. So I've been building anywhere between 10 and 20. That's kind of like my sweet spot. Um, now that I am up to 20, I am using lineup HQ to build my lineups at night because like hand building 20 lineups while I'm managing lock and managing projections and stuff like that. I mean, with no NBA, it's going to be easier, but um, with, with everything that I have to do up to lock, it's just easier to use lineup HQ. So I'll hopefully be doing 20 lineups through the end of this challenge. And then I'll reassess once I get there. Then I guess we'll just see how much I can make through the end of the NBA season, starting 500 bucks, I guess. Right. Cause you can't just stop it at 5,000. Oh, you're done. No more MLB DFS for you. <laughs> right. right. That's it. Right. Yeah. No, that, that will not be it. I, I don't know. I, at this rate, I mean, this rate, obviously I'm not going to have a, a, GPP takedown every weekend, but at this rate, I think a, a more realistic end of MLB season would be like fifteen, maybe twenty. Um, we'll we'll see. I think, kinda... that, I think that's that's aggressive. I, I think that fifteen uh, is probably like I don't. I think twenty is too aggressive. I think fifteen is like the number that I have in my head as because now the bankroll is growing and I'm entering tournaments where I can make more than two thousand dollars for first place it's going to be easier for me to hit those loftier goals. If I hit, it's just going to be harder to hit. So I think 20 is, uh, is probably like head in the clouds, but I think 15 is doable. I mean, it's doable. Yeah. But I wouldn't consider that to be a median type of goal. No, 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 no. I would think, I would think like 12,000, 12,000. You can end the season from going from 500 to 12,000. I, I, yeah, I think that's doable. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, and, and it depends on, because I, I do like to play tournaments where they have larger allocations to first place. Um, I don't, because I, I, I prefer to take first or last. I don't really care about like what's happening in those medians. Um, so if I'm playing like today, I'm playing the $5 big GPP. Obviously, if I hit that, then I have turned 500 into 100,000, which is big thumbs up. But um it, it just depends on the tournaments that I am able to play now. Like now that I'm out of the mini max and now that I am consistently in the $4 and being able to move up, if I hit the $4 one more time, then I can start playing into the larger GPP every single day if it is less than $18. So it's just, I, I think that 15 probably makes sense. I think 12, you're right, is probably about the median outcome if I continue playing um, at the the way that I am and I don't get super lucky. So well, we'll see how it goes, but it's been it's been a really really good start to the season, and and now I have more capacity to think about it because I don't have to deal with having a hundred players on an injury report like we had yesterday, which was a train wreck. Good riddance to that NBA season. <laughs> 
Well, for me, this uh, this uh, MLB season, I've had six top ten finishes, but highest was third. So, like, and of course, I play more lineups than you, so that kind of washes itself out. But yeah. but all I could aim for in these large field GPPs is can I get in the top ten? I mean, becoming an eighth versus coming in second is dr- dr- dramatically different payouts. So, like, I'm I'm just happy to be treading water in in MLB like right now my MLB season I think I'm about I maybe I'm down slightly like I may I think I may maybe maybe down maybe even maybe not even a thousand bucks or something like even even cash games like I haven't shown my cash game spreadsheet in a while because pretty much my entire journey uh has been negative until recently I mean, it's just, it, I mean, it's downswings, but you get a downswing in the beginning of the season. So you look at, you look at my, my cash game play, which I, I'm, I'm essentially playing the, the bat optimal median projected lineup mm-hmm. on multiple sites. The thing that I, that I noticed though, in baseball, cause you see here, like, you know, it's just like, okay, went down, went down, went down, went up, went up, went up, went up. I mean, like, like the lo- the lowest I got was like minus 6,000 out of 20,000. So that's like a, what, a 40%. Yeah. drop yeah. over that course and then came back up. So, I mean, like I always compare the, like to the stock market, and, like 40% is a bad drawdown. Right. But I mean, it's not, as long as your time horizon is 20 years, like you're fine. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't panic or anything. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a hard, it was down, 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 down. And then like this past month period has been mostly up. So I'm down $142 on the season uh, in cash games. Uh, what I noticed though, in is that in baseball, for the most part, although there's sometimes slightly different dynamics on each site is that the, the sites are more correlative to each other when it comes to the projections with the salaries and the, and uh, even, even on FanDuel with the one pitcher, like Yahoo is two pitchers, but Yahoo every once in a while, you know, they underprice. Like a, some guy is going to be eleven. Justin Turner is eleven dollars for no reason, right? Like that. Like it's just some random good player that is like five dollars too cheap. And FanDuel uh, doesn't have like Draft DraftKings. You get these two twenty two hundred dollar guys, right? You know, they, they, they are weirdly under. I mean, they're not good players, but that it's salary savers. You mm-hmm. get the Nomar Mazaras. You get those type of players. But at 2K on FanDuel, that that uh, salary floor is not the same as DraftKings. When the top player is 6,000, the bottom player is 2,000, it's different when the top player is 4,000 and the bottom player is 2,000. So a $2,000 player on FanDuel isn't as cheap right. as a $2,000 player on DraftKings. Uh, and depending on... Uh, the pricing on, on both sites, a lot of times you're, you're using the same players. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is that like, I look at my DraftKings lineup and it's like, well, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing three angels and two nationals. And I look at my FanDuel lineup and I'm playing three angels and two. Na- I mean, there may be two different nationals, but it's like, you're, you're, you tend to play the same players. If, if uh, Juan Soto is underpriced on all three sites, you're playing one, you're playing on all three sites. And if he gets a zero, like that could tank your lineup on all three sites at once. Yeah. So that's why a lot of this, if I scroll through, it's it's me winning on all three sites or losing on all three sites. It's not as many two and ones and one and twos. That's and that's very different from your NBA season. Right. In NBA, the pricing and salary structure uh between all three sites tended to be much more different. Mm-hmm. You know, that if the FanDuel's build is gonna be much softer. Than DraftKings, DraftKings build. I'm playing some 32. I'm playing Terrence Davis or something, and that. But I would never. But the, for 3800 on Fanduel, he's unnecessary, and on Yahoo, he's unnecessary. So you you tend to play different players across all three. If you're playing up for one stud, you may be playing paying up for Luca on DraftKings, but you're paying up for Giannis on Fanduel, right? Because of the position. So the the variance it, it smooths it out. So. Sometimes you'll win on DraftKings and lose on FanDuel and vice versa. And you'll go two and one. Most days you don't go three and oh. 
or zero and three. It's two and ones and one and twos. Mm-hmm. But in baseball, in MLB, it's more likely that I'm playing very similar lineups. I mean, based on the projections. So you see a lot of like on the like even just in like in May, like on the second loss loss third. This was a one and two. And, and then the night slate over here. But on the fourth sweep, sixth sweep, seventh sweep, eighth bo- loss, loss, ninth loss, loss, tenth, two and one, eleventh, one and two, twelfth, two and one, thirteenth, one, uh, one and two. And then the fourteenth was a three and oh sweep. And yesterday was was a two side sweep, and especially on Sunday. Sundays, I don't play Yahoo because they just lump all 15 games or whatever. At oh, I hate one, it. Right. And I'm, I'm just not going to deal with that. So that that's why you see a lot of less Yahoo than uh, than DraftKings and FanDuel. And on DraftKings, sometimes I play the night slate or the early slate versus FanDuel, who typically breaks up their slates too small. It's like I'll play the early or late when it's like a four plus game slate, mm-hmm. but not when not FanDuel sometimes like limits it to three games. And I'm like, screw that! I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play that. Yeah, but I mean, that, but that's it. the main thing. But that's the main thing I noticed. It, to me, the, the this graph would be much if if the three sites was were different, would be much smoother. Mm-hmm. So I'd I'd have much more more times where I'm going two and one or one and two rather than three and zero oh and zero oh and three. And while it still may end up at the end uh, of this time period that you know pretty much break, breaking even at this point. That it wouldn't have been as big of a as big of a downswing as big of it because it goes down and it goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down and it goes up, uh, and then obviously as the season goes on, the more sample size uh, the projection model gets. I was just going to note that I was right. going to note that I think that one of the reasons why early season is harder for cash games, especially using a model like Cardi's, which is very long term, um, those those nuances and the small micro part of the sample that we get in the beginning of a new season, that first month or so that can be really, really hard for a model like Cardi's to catch. So for cash games, I can understand why it would be a little bit more difficult following an optimal model. Um, just because that there are certain things that it just can't catch yet. Like it can't catch, uh, I don't know, Kyle Seeger or something like that. Having nine home runs, it can't catch, uh, certain guy like Byron Buxton or something like that, you know, it, it just can't catch the guys who are super hot early on, but. Um, well, uh, well, Cardi would say, cause they're not hot. There's no such thing as a hot streak. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But that like, it's, it's hard. My, my model over at Pater is super short term. So I, I run last 45 days and I try to catch the nuances that are happening so that I can use them for GPPs because none of my models are centered towards cash games and none of them are centered towards those medians. I want to try to catch onto things fast. So my model is very different from Cardi's in that aspect where my model has absolutely just been in love with the twins. Like when the twins had Byron Buxton and Alex Kirilov, they were just like top of the model every single day. And the Mariners right now with Jared Klenick and with Kyle Seeger and with like those guys who are, are good, Mitch Hanniger, who are having good seasons, those guys are getting boosts as well. Like the Tigers over the last 30 days, while they have been trash for the full season, like Robbie Grossman has been legit good for like the last two weeks. So my model has loved him. Um, but it's uh, that's, really... that's opposed, that's opposed to, to, to the bat who like for the past two weeks, it's the nationals. Now, obviously yeah. they paid off the other day because they, they destroyed. Yeah. But if you take, but to explain the reasoning behind it is that uh, like, look, take a look at the nationals lineup. So you have Trey Turner, you have Soto, you have Schwarber, you have Josh Bell, Ryan Zimmerman, depending on who's starting, Starlin Castro, who's not like the worst, but they also, Josh Harrison, and like typically Harrison, Castro, Bell are priced cheap. Yeah, hilarious. Soto's not 6,000. He's typically like 5,200. Mm-hmm. And Schwarber is under 4K most days also, 3,700 on DraftKings. Yeah. Now, if you take a look at those names, like on the Nationals, like most most, most of the Cardi sample size doesn't have any other than Turner and Soto and Zimmerman, I guess. Like, it's still considering prior stats, Josh Bell batting third for the Pirates. 
right? It's still considering Kyle Schwarber and the Cubs, yep. right? And, and these are guys that have high power, right? Mm-hmm. They have good sample, good stat cast data, I guess. That it doesn't take into account that Josh Bell, like from the left side of the plate, has been just absolutely trashed this year. Uh, is he the same player? We don't know, like Hardy would say. Well, do we have the sample size to know that yet? Now, as each day goes on, that prior gets degraded more and more, but it's still pulling in data from two years ago. Yeah, We still get like Chris Davis. He's on the Rangers now. Is he the same Chris Davis as he was four years ago, three years ago? 247, dude. He's going to bat 247. That's what Chris right. Davis does. We, the, the question is not yes or no. It's whether or not we do know more or less. There's no one point where it's like, well, once he gets to this certain sample size, then we just cut everything else off. No, it 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 regresses mm-hmm. over time. And you're you're using a model that the regression is like steep. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, like extremely steep. steep. While Cardi's model tends to be the longest term, mm-hmm. like compared to most of the industry, like compared to the plate IQ projections, compared to other sites other models, proprietary models, and everything. Cardi's tends to be the longest of terms. Mm-hmm. Not like taking in stats from six years ago or anything, but like it's not, it's Rugden Odor, right? Still has those home runs from the Rangers from two years ago, right? So when he's 2,800, right? Oh, Justin great. Upton, like those types of power, Hunter Renfro on the Red Sox now. He's like $2,800, and it's like, even though he's batting seventh, like his range of outcomes is going to be zero or 14, but it's still going to be, the median is going to be very high for that price because it still has, you know, his his home runs for the Padres mm-hmm. still being accounted for. And he's probably, that's still that same player, right? Most probably. But, it, but the pricing doesn't account for it. If these guys were like average priced, if Starling Castro was 3800 if Josh Harrison was 3,800 and not 29 and 3,100, Josh Bell wasn't 3,400 and more like 4,000, then it would be like, okay, like point per dollar wise, they're okay. But because it's taking into account a much longer sample size, mm-hmm. much longer in the past, a prior that is more, much more beefy, like that's why that happens. While your model, like, like pretty much outside of, like not even last year. I mean, barely last year. It's just kind of like what's happening lately. And uh, can I take advantage of that? But to me, James, uh, I think, do you, do you, do you believe that that's that the field is doing too much of that as well? Or do you think the field's doing the opposite? Like yeah. I get a sense that when people are like, Oh, this, this guy's good now, or this mm-hmm. guy's bad now, like it, it ends up getting reflected in ownership versus the other way unless unless you think that name value carries ownership i find i find the opposite i find that name value doesn't carry as much ownership as people think it is they go oh well it's it's, it's this well it, gary sanchez is 2400 like gotta play him it's like yeah. well you should be playing him. i mean but I, I i just i just think that recency carries more ownership than especially with pitching right i mean look at luis castillo is he the same pitcher? Who knows? Everybody wants, him to be. Everybody wants him to be that. And I, I think that it is, there is more name recognition on pitchers. People are like, because I think that there is this understanding that pitchers are more easily projected. Um, meaning that they have a smaller range of outcomes and you can like, they're a bit more predictable when it comes to what they're going to do in a game. Like you can predict that Garrett Cole is going to be, between like seven and 13 strikeouts. You can predict that Jacob deGrom is coming between like hilariously 11 and like 16 strikeouts because he's a God. Uh, and I think that people look at somebody like Luis Castillo, who was so good last year. And they're like, Oh, he's going to turn around. He's going to turn around. He's going to turn around. And every single start, he's 40% owned, 40% owned, 40% owned when like, he has like a 5.6 Sierra. And, and so people are playing this pitcher who that like, they understand that he is Luis Castillo. They understand where his ceiling is. They understand what his long-term understanding is of who this player can be, but they're not paying enough attention to how bad he's struggling 
and like, okay, he's had five starts in a row where he's just getting shelled. Maybe there's something wrong. So but I don't people didn't, but people haven't been jamming Kyle Hendricks. He put together <laughs> yesterday, yesterday. He's no, no, no. People, owned. people haven't been jamming in Kyle Hendricks because he's not sexy. Right. Because Kyle Hendricks, you, you don't see the seal like Lewis Castillo. You see it visualized in your head. Oh, he could strike out 12 guys. Yeah. Kyle yeah, Hendricks, yeah. You're like, oh, he could pitch nine innings and strike out four guys. Right. Like that that's a good start for him. Yeah. Like that that's his that's his long, you know, he he's he's not a strikeout pitcher. It's kind of the difference between like if somebody was looking at a Johnny Cueto versus uh Madison Bumgarner. Not this year necessarily, but like maybe last is, is Bumgarner back? Bumgarner your might model be back. must love your you you must be playing a lot of him today. I haven't run models yet, but I likely will be playing plenty of him because he's looked great and his fastball velocity has been up and like his control, like these kinds of things, Cardi's model very likely still Cardi's has model hates him. Right? I know, I know, and I'm sure it does. And it, it's just one of those things where like, if you look at the difference between Mad Bum and Johnny Cueto last year, people have always kind of considered Johnny Cueto is not like a high strikeout guy, at least as long as I've been playing DFS. He's been a guy who has a uh, complete game upside where like there's those pitchers. There's Kyle Hendricks, Johnny Cueto. Dallas um, Keuchel, I guess. you could throw Yeah, Dallas Keuchel, guys like that where they can go long in the games. Um, and that's where their upside is, but not, not necessarily strikeouts. And then you have the complete like other side of the spectrum where you have Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray's going four innings every single game, but he's either going to have 10 strikeouts or 10 earned runs. Who knows what? So there's those two different sides of it. And I think that there is that name recognition of the sexy pitchers that have a lot of strikeout upside. Somebody like Luis Castillo, um, where people are just buying into it and hoping that he turns it around when he's only 6,500 bucks. And it's like, brah, he's dead. Like that dude is, is cooked meat right now until he turns around. I'm not going to play him. So there's name recognition, I think, on pitchers. I think there's name recognition on certain hitters. Like Mike Trout is always going to garner some sort of ownership. Yeah, but Juan he's Soto, the greatest baseball player ever. Yeah, Juan Soto is going to garner some sort of ownership. Um, Trey Turner usually garners some sort of ownership. People love Vlad, Vlad Guerrero right now. Like, How about Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge, yeah. Like you, you have these guys – there's maybe like 15 hitters, I think, in the league where like they're going to get some kind of ownership. And if they're in a good matchup, they're going to get a lot of ownership simply because that's who they are. You're like people know who they are, but I think it's less. I think it's less on hitters. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird because we have those guys. And this year, everybody wants to build home run parlay lineups. Like everybody wants to build something that's like, a three, two, one, 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 or something like that. Yeah, but to, to be fair, to be fair, the first month of this first six weeks of the season, that's yeah. more likely. Like, like we have a question here. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah, with Edward Brown on one of your most recent podcasts, you talked about how the prioritization of the home run might be undermining the effectiveness of stacking and GPPs. Have you been diving into that any deeper? All I could say about this is I hope. People continue. I'm. I look. I. I brought it up. I'm like. I'm. I'm watching these games, and it's like it's home run, strikeout, walk. Like, like these. Other than if you're playing core, if you're playing in cores, right? The sing the doubles and the triples and stuff like that. Like or Ridley Wrigley win games, those types of things. For the most part, you're seeing a lot of that. You're seeing like how is a five man stack going to pay off? And a lot of times, the five man stack still pays off. You just have one guy that's like unnecessary in there, but you got enough points out of four people that, that you're good. Uh, I hope, I hope people continue to, to not stack. Oh yeah. Let me, let me, let me put that uh, from, from my analysis, from just seeing the, it's not about what wins. It's about what is more likely to win than the field is doing. Mm Mm-hmm more and more people like compared to last season, I'm not counting the COVID season. I'm talking about 2019 now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, the amount of stacking versus not stacking. Like when I say not stacking, I'm talking about DraftKings. not at least playing, not playing a five man stack and even not even playing a four man stack. There's still way too many lineups that don't even have a four man stack in it. 
So it's this to me. I view it this. I view it the same. So this about the field has has moved about the same. Now there are a lot of people that have been like you said building home run parlay type lineups. Wait for it to get warmer. Like I think people are not going to like not going to realize that once June July comes out and we start having we have a twelve game slate where nine out of the twelve games are in eighty eight degree heat and 20% to 40% humidity. Like, dude, there's going to be, right. It's a 12 game slate and eight have absurdly good hitting conditions. And you're telling me that, okay, no stack's going to get there. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. One of the, one, one of those teams is going to put up 11 runs. Like, I don't know which one it's going to be, but that's what, that's what I mean by when we talk about the slate size. That when the slate sign gets bigger, it's like, oh, well, there's so many more opportunities for one guy to hit two home runs. So I want to piece them all together. It's like, good luck doing that as, as a predictive long-term basis. All I could tell you is that when there's 28 teams on a slate and, and, it's, and it's not freezing out there and wind blowing in and rain and cold and sleet and stuff, when it's 96 degrees in Arizona, when, when Toronto, the Toronto, they're, they're going to be playing in Florida. It could be 97 degrees in the little league park that they play in. And 70% humidity. And 70% humidity, you know, by the, the East coast, you get Boston and New York, you get the heat wave, 92 degrees over there. I mean, like, and you go, okay, it's not that, okay, it's a five game slate and there's like two of these games and okay, two of them, they could still be four to three games. Like you, you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to have a slate with 14 games during the summer because they're going to play less. They're going to play more. The, the schedule is going to be like on Wednesdays and Thursdays, there'll be early games. And then we'll see tons of night, 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 13, 14 game night slates. Maybe they'll have a six thirty game. So we end up, it ends up getting knocked off the slate or something, but we're going to get so many of these 10 to 12 to 13 game slates where we're three quarters of the games are going to be in good hitting conditions. Right. Uh, but for, regardless of the ballpark, just weather wise. And then you're going you're gonna to try to home run hunt there. I'm, I'm going to tell you that more often than not, it's going to be one team's going to put up double digit runs and whoever has that stack wins. So like at the end of the day, like why are you playing three, two, two, one type of lineups when, when that happens? I mean, even now, even if you, if, even if you ran Sims now, for most of these slates, the, the 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 positive ROI lineups in comparison to the field are still the stack lineups. Even yeah. though, yes, 60% of the time an unstacked lineup is going to win, it's being rostered way too much for the probability that those lineups end up being, that you, they're automatically EV, negative EV from the start. Yep. Right, that construction in and of itself. Now, if if we were seeing contests where 90% of the field was stacking five bands. Okay, now now it starts tilting the other side. It's like, okay, maybe the five band stacks on all these teams are overowned, right? We a lot of times, to be honest, on FanDuel, you do see that on smaller slates. Where four four lineups actually get duped. Mm-hmm. Like on a I'm talking about a, not a, like a two game slate, I'm talking about a four or five game slate. Where it's like there's two obvious chalk teams and a two obvious chalk pitchers. And it's like, if you're going to stack 4-4 four, four of both those teams and one of those pitchers, like, yeah. dude, you're going to be duped. Like, I've seen those lineups duped. You're, and you're, already dead. you're already dead at the beginning of the contest. Right. So I could understand at that point. That's why it's a little bit different of, of a thing on FanDuel because you could stack four at max. At least mm-hmm. on DraftKings, you could stack five or four and then you go down to threes. I think on FanDuel, FanDuel, you're more likely to stack like 4-3-1 mm-hmm. than 4-4. Four, four. And on DraftKings, you're more likely to stack five-man. It does who cares? 5-1-1-1, 5-3, whatever. That, like, I still think it's a prop. If, if you didn't think about it at all and just said an MLB DFS GPP is no matter what size the GPP is, I'm never going to make anything else other than a five-man stack. You'll never be wrong. There may be four man stack, four, three, one type lineups, four, two, two type lineups that are profitable. You may, if you're playing a hundred lineups, you may want to include some of them, 
Maybe there, but if you if you don't want to deal with that hassle, you're just like I just want to make sure I'm building plus EV lineups on DraftKings. Like if you just always in your head, just I don't care what the slight size is or nothing, right? I'm just going to stack five man. It, that 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 is the, generally the most profitable construction, mm-hmm. right? So, I I I do I do know what you're talking about that people and and several people in the in the Roto Grinders Discord, which you can get as a premium member. Click on the link in the description, get ten dollars off your first month. I've been talking about. It. So should we not be stacking five man on DK? It seems like five five man stacks aren't getting there, and. And and they're right. Five man sex have not been getting there as frequently in the large, large field GPPs, not necessarily in the mid size or smaller field GPPs. And and my answer is based on st- they're still under owned and wait for wait for the summer. Mm-hmm. Is, is that is that a, is that a good way? Are you are you seeing the same thing? Like I still don't see any reason why why would I be building these three one one two like find the home run type lineups when too much of the field is still doing that. And the correlative elements don't even help me. I mean, like, it, uh, like, so what am I going to do? Just look at the home run parlays and just build lineups like that. Like the chances of, I might as well just bet the parlay at that point. Right. Just take my 10 bucks. Right. Cause let, let, I mean, how many hitters do you have on DraftKings? You have eight hitters. Eight. Yeah. And let's say, and you need to roster a catcher. Right. And a sec- shortstop and a second baseman. So it's not like you could go, I'm going to put a par- parlay in eight hitters and they all happen to be outfielders or a first baseman. Right. You go. So take your lineup, take your lineup with the catcher with the, and go and go to DK Sportsbook or whatever. See what the home run line is. Like, dude, you'd be to get. And, and if you could parlay those together, I mean, some books don't allow you uh, parlay all those money lines together and put in a, your $10 bet. I, I a lot. I think that's going to be higher than higher than fifty thousand dollars, right? It will be. Yeah. It will be right if you're playing the three dollar four max or whatever the twenty max four dollar and three thousand a first. Like, dude, just put the four dollars on an eight eight home run parlay because that like that it, it's at minimum. I mean, at minimum, that's going to be a thousand to one. I mean, because these home run parlays, even for the the most like. Even when it's like trout or something like that, it's still like you're still getting like two to one. That's yeah. still like like even plus one seventy five, plus one fifty, right? Three to two or something. But now you do. Let's say you're not going to get. Let's say on average it's plus two fifty, plus three. Let's just say plus three hundred because you have to because just like a DFS lineup, you can't just take Judge Harper, right? Take your DFS lineup, so that includes a twenty two hundred dollar. You know, it, inc- it includes Pat Valka. Right, right, exactly. Something like that. And, and just put all the odds together and multiply them together. Be like, why don't I just, I, why don't I just put a dollar on this? And if all these home runs happen, you know, there, there you go. Here's, here's your $3,000. Yep. Right. So to me, it doesn't even make sense. You're playing against other people. Why would you be building these like home run parlay type lineups? Yeah. And well, it's because people think that they can, so I, I have home run probabilities in my projections. I have like how many home runs a hitter is supposed to have. Um, and there was somebody yesterday who did a three, two, one, one, one. Yeah. Three, two, one, one, one. Uh, the three was Toronto. There were two New York bats. I think that it was uh, like Aaron judge and somebody else. And then Mike Topman, uh, I don't know, some random catcher and some random second baseman. But like the three Toronto, he was like, this is my best lineup. Put up like 170 or something like that. And like 170 is a pretty good score. But like if he just also correlates Toronto a little bit more and has Marcus Simeon instead of the random second baseman he had, like he puts up like 199 or something like that. And and like it's a really, really good score if he would have just gone that extra step and just four man stacked instead of three man and then home run hunted on the rest. And it's like, or, or put in Santiago Espinal, something. And, and right, what he put in, Cause he had a triple and a stolen, like he's the eighth hitter. And it's like, why would I play that guy at 3000? It's like, because he's correlated with the other three bats. In your right. lineup. And if you think that Toronto is going to do so well, that those three hitters are going to be like the top spots in GVPs, like, 
if those three hitters end up winning you a GPP, it's very, very likely that there are other players that were also involved in the rallies that made it so those players all had 20 plus points. So why are you seeding that so that you can take a home run parlay? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And like the other thing, when, when people are asking me like, Oh, well, should we be stacking or should we do, we be focusing on four or five man stacks? Like I I'm up 586% in my challenge and all I do is stack. And, and this is the early season. Like we're not even into the middle of summer where stacking is going to be more potent because teams are going to be routinely putting up 12, 13, 14 runs every single slate. So it's like people want to look for those home run parlays. And I think some of it is kind of hubris. Honestly, I, I think that some people like want to look at their lineup and be like, oh man, I, I found this like secret sauce where like, I know that this guy's going to do well. This guy's going to do well. Like it worked last slate. I'm going to keep doing it. And they chase that one time where it worked. And I think there's a little bit of hubris in saying that somebody is better at predicting the future than everybody else. And it's hard to predict the future, man. Just like put yourself in position for teams to do well. And instead of trying to home run hunt, try to just have exposure to the best teams. And that's going to be much better for you long-term than being a home run hunter. And if you do want a home run hunt, do exactly what Jordan said, go to DK Sportsbook, put together a home run parlay, put $5 on it, and then go stack something in DFS instead. Like that way you can have the best of both worlds. They're both on your phone. That in fact, you can go from DraftKings, you can literally click on the sportsbook on your DraftKings app and go there, place your parlay, and then click on the DraftKings app and then go build your stack. And like, dude, you're happy, right? Like everybody's happy then. And if you get a home run hunt, I understand doing that with the one-offs. Yeah. Like I understand, like if you're gonna play like a that's why why do you think I constantly say about like what catcher do you play? Well, whoever's in your stack. Because most of the time there aren't catchers. There's only a very few catchers that are worth it by themselves. Yep. Right? So like, uh, well, Drew Butera sucks. It's like, but he's 2,200. If the Angels are going to do well, just throw him in. Martin Maldonado, Austin Hedges, or like whoever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter where they bat. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything. Just they're cheap, right? And they and now they allow you. So you're, in, you're now playing Martin Maldonado in your Astros stack instead of Yuli Gurriel. And now you have enough money. So instead of playing a $2,600 light hitting outfielder as a one-off, you're playing Bryce Harper, right? Because now, because you, you, you didn't pay up, you didn't pay $4,800 for a catcher, right? You take a look, you take a look at your, uh, your Dodgers stack and you go, do I want to play Will Smith in my Dodgers stack at 4,700? Or do I want to uh, make sure to get a better one-off in the outfield and maybe play, uh, you know, uh, a Narvaez and you, then you make a three man like Narvaez with like Kane and Avisel Garcia and you do, okay, now you could do something like that. Like, especially at these very weak positions, catcher, second base, shortstop is, is well, I mean, Tatis is out, Seager's now out. So that's going to get a little bit weaker yeah. uh, in, in, hey, in the short term. Francisco Lindor. No, three for well, like 60 this year. He's, he must be horrible in your model if you're doing just recently for the past 45 is, days. so bad in my model. It's <laughs> so bad. Uh, but yeah, shortstop's going to look ugly here pretty soon. Right. Daniel Hutchings is in, is in, the, is in, the, chat, is in the chat. That's uh, He's sharing that his, his simulations like about 85% five and four man stacks on, on DK. Because he's talking, if you're, if you're in the chat, you could see. Because uh, he 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 plays a ton of lineups, yeah. And uh, it's just about yeah. It's just a matter of diversification in your. Because people asked before, like I saw one question before about, well, if I play twenty max, like how many stack, how many different stacks, like all that is a diversification question, not just build good lineups. Like it's kind of weird to say, but it 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 sounds too simple. Like when I said, well, just build plus EV lineups. It's like well. Well, what one should I, I, I have 20. What, what should I build? Should I build four of this and four of that? And, or should I build eight of this and eight of that? And like, dude, all you're doing is, is changing how many, how much swings you're going to have. So do you want diversification or not? I mean, other than that, if you play, I'm going to play 150 lineups tonight on, on the super knuckleball on DraftKings. Super knuckleball. Super knuckleball, knuckleball, whatever. It's a, whatever. It's a $5 entry fee. So I'm like, okay, I'll play 150. 
especially eight game slate. All people are going to ask me, who am I playing tonight? You know what the answer is? Everyone, <laughs> right? I mean, everyone, it's an eight game slate. So, uh, but that's the problem, but that's the point. It's like, I play more lineups that I find to be higher expected value, but it doesn't mean that's all the lineups that I play. So maybe tonight, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm making this up. So I don't know. Cause I didn't look. Maybe Seattle against uh, Casey Mize is underowned, right? I, I deem underowned, right? I look through and I go, what? They're, they're showing up a lot more, right? Now, I could play 75 Seattle Mariners stacks. I could, if I believe that that's the highest EV stack, and then try to get as many combinations of that as possible. But of course, if I'm wrong, all those lineups are dead. So it's like, and all those lineups towards go towards the top. And then all the lineups go towards the bottom. So I play uh, $750 worth of entries. And let, I can play all of them. Uh, literally all 150 Seattle Mariners stacks. If they're the team, that, if they're the winning stack, I'm going to be they're making a money, lot of dude. money. Yeah, I have 150 shots at first place, pretty much. Take first through 15th. But if they're, if they're not, that means my $750 turns into like almost zero. Right, those swings are going to be dramatic. So, do I want to invest all of all of my lineups into a Seattle Mariners stack? You could, right? You, if you wanted to, they're all plus EV lineups. You, you can, but to realize that EV, you're going to realize that like in all the lineups at the same time. So that doesn't make it bad. It just makes it high variance. High variance doesn't equal bad. It just means swing. People think high variance is, oh, I don't want that. That's not, that's not the right thing to do. There's no right. There's no correct. You have, you have lineups. You could have 2,000 lineups that have the same exact expected value, but the standard deviation of those lineups could be dramatically different, right? There are some, if you're going to play chalk today, a chalk stack, you're going to get a lot more equity in the min cash range than you will at first place, but it still may be a, a very similarly EV lineup to a contrarian stack that gets most of its equity from first place or last place. So like it comes out, if we played the slate out 20,000 times at the end, those two lineups end up making the same amount of money in the long run. It just depends on like what happens today. Mm-hmm. So the, all these questions about like how many of this and how many of that but you you could make whatever whatever diversification you 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 want. Me in 150 lineups, I tend to be much more diversified. Now I do eliminate. At at some point, I I I still want to have as many shots at first as possible with what my strategic direction is. So I will play vastly more of certain stacks versus others, and I will x out pitchers and go. Well, I'm already playing 20 stacks against this pitcher. Do I do I want to even play, have this pitcher in my player pool? No. And if it turns out the reverse happens, the pitcher does well and the stacks don't, then I guess I lose that. I can't win first place. But at least I have some shots, right? When Oh, you can't play the chalk stack. It's like, who says you can't play the chalk stack? Just make sure you make contrarian lineups with it. So whoever the highest owned stack of the day, it's very likely that I'm going, I'm, I'm not going to have many lineups with that stack. But I'm, it's not going to be zero just going to be not as many of those lineups. I'm going to take advantage of the more that a field starts playing this one team, all these other teams start getting under own. So I want more of these types of lineups. So it's, it's all these questions are not about like what's correct. It just matters on like when you, you play James, you play 10 lineups, 12 lineups. I assume you're not just taking one team and you're, you're not even taking one team and go, I'm building 12 stacks of this one team. And, you're just YOLO, right? Not if I can help it. No. Uh, the On a three-game slate, like the three-game slate that I just had this recent hit, I had 100% Red Sox stacks. But it wasn't because I wanted to. It was because the way that I was building, it, the only shortstops that I had to pick from were Xander Bogertz and Andrelton Simmons. And like at that point, since I'm only, only building stacks – I got 100% Red Sox stacks because I had 100% Xander Bogarts. But like on a regular slate, I, I want to have exposure to anywhere between four and seven teams. At Like that's my sweet spot. With, but with 20 lineups, I think that I can still diversify enough 
with four to seven teams. And usually it's on the lower end of that. Usually it's four or five teams from my models that have the best chance of scoring eight or more runs on a GPP. Um, but if I have like 150 lineups, there's a very good chance that I would have anywhere between like five and 10 teams, maybe depending on if I was hedging, depending on if I wanted to have exposure to uh, certain chalk spots as well as super low owned spots. But even though I am very condensed in the players that I use and the stacks that I choose, I'm not going to just choose one stack 99% of the time because it, it I, I don't want, if I'm building multiple lineups, like if I just wanted exposure to one team, why wouldn't I just build one lineup? Why, why wouldn't I just instead? Well, of you entering... want a different rotation of one-offs. You'd be like, well, this is the, this is my blue Jays with judge. This is my blue Jays with Harper. This is my blue Jays with Soto, sure. right? Sure. You could do that. Yeah, you could do that, but I wouldn't want to. I mean, you like can't. I mean, there's no reason that you can't. If you like, you have one. If you have one team and you're like, nope, I'm putting it all in on the Astros today. Sure. You want to make all the combinations of the Astros, and then all the, oh, I want to pair these two pitchers and rotate the pitchers. You can do that. You can. You yeah. can. It's just high variance. It's just, and I, and I wouldn't. And you're talking to a super high variance accepting person, and even right. I wouldn't do that. So like. There's a certain level of you have to be able to have multiple different shots and you do have to have some sort of fallback or fail safe if you're playing multiple lineups. For me, the reason why I build 10 lineups, the reason why I build 15 lineups is so that I can have exposure to other stacks. It's not so that I can take one stack and have 15 different combinations of it because I would rather just play the 121 single entry or like the $50 single entry or something like that if I was in this bankroll challenge. I wouldn't want to be having 15 combinations of one team um, unless it was a, a circumstance like it happened with the Red Sox the other day, where the only way that I could be building good positive expected value lineups from my projections and like having a high expected outcome was to have that one team. So I, I would prefer to just spread it out between like four and seven teams. And even that is very, very condensed for a lot of people. So it, it is all personal preference. Some people like to have a whole lot of different stacks. Like you, you will have exposure to probably 20 teams today. I would guess. No, no, it's an eight game slate. I can't have 20 teams. It's an eight game slate. You'll I, probably the max have is 16. To 12 teams then probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably, yeah, probably I'll have. Slate. Yeah, probably so, 12, probably. I, but I, but I'll, some of those teams I may only have like, like two or three lineups of, and then some teams I may have 30 seven lineups but you'll have them right but i'll but yeah but some weird team goes off it's like i may have three lineups of them i may yep. Yep. right i may so uh, that's personal preference based on the goals that you have and the way that you like to play Re- really it's about risk and risk being risk averse or accepting of the risk that is happening in your lineups and that's why you diversify more or less right uh gr saw say to 12 the reason players build home run hunting lineups is because it's a challenge to pick the right game to stack so I guess it's easier for them to home run hunt in a lineup than to build a plus EV stack. I promise it's you. It's the opposite. Yeah. It's would, significantly easier to just choose teams to stack than it is right. to hunt for parlays. Like, right. Do people really think that? Because it's the first time anyone's like, oh, it's a challenge to pick what I got today, tonight. There's 16 choices. There's I, one, okay. and, and you could probably so, throw out some of them. I mean, like, like, dude, like, am I going to play the Rockies against Darvish? Probably not. How about the, how about the, the Arizona against Bueller, the Rangers against Cole? I mean, you could like of of a team because remember when you stack them, you want them to score tons of runs. So I'm not saying that they can't put up runs against these pitchers, but most likely they don't get blown up. Yeah, right. So I I think that like there is this kind of false sense of security of having different players from different teams, so that one team can't sink your whole lineup. Yeah, I but think that's that what that's you're aiming for in GPP. I, I and I and you're, you you're supposed that. to be increasing the variance of your. Life. I just think that people get scared that like if they stack, I don't know, the Blue Jays or something like that, that they'll have less of a chance of the Blue Jays putting up ten runs than they do of like picking four different players that have home runs. And obviously that's wrong. Like obviously, right, but that gives them. Yeah, you're right. It gives them more min cash equity. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't give them first place, right? It's like, oh, worst case scenario, then the Yankees don't hit, this team hits, and I get enough points that I at least turn my four dollars into six dollars. Like that's stupid. I don't care. But about do people think? Dollars. But the way that that was phrased, it's like, no, people think it's easier to go pick out home runs than it is to pick out a team. And I go, 
No, it's, it's infinitely, it's so much easier to pick out teams. You make one decision. You make one decision, right. I'm looking at today's slate. I'm like, who's the highest team total? The Yankees. Go stack them. I mean, like, have fun. I mean, like, take a look at their lineup. I go, I go well, well, then who do I play in my stack? Whoever the hell you want. Stan, Judge, or, I mean, there you go. You go Stan, Judge, Urshela, Voigt, and play Higgs. If he's in the catcher spot, you're done, right? There you go. Take take two. You probably can't pay up for two pitchers. Right. Then you're going to play, you can play something. You'd probably, you play Cole in that lineup because it's correlated with the Yankees. Why not? You play Kikuchi against the the Tigers or something. And then you just, uh, whatever, you have three spots left. Now go find three people that have a better shot at hitting a home run. Right. And the other problem right now is that you just described what the chalk lineup is going to be. It's going to be Cole, Kikuchi with Yankees, and then people are going to look for home runs. Now, the big problem is when you do this, and this is the other part of this that's a problem. Now you have 50% on Cole, 40% on Kikuchi, 30% on Yankees players. And then because you have the same base lineup as 30% of the field, you're going to be drawn to the same home run. Right, you're going to be playing Jared Kelenic at 3K in that line. Exactly. You're going to play the same lineup with the same one-offs. And it's like a perfect example yesterday in my community. What A guy who's really working on trying to be better about like making the decisions that he does when he stacks. He stacked the Yankees and the Blue Jays yesterday with the chalk pitcher. And it was like, 50, 40, 50, 50, 40, 50, 40. And he did have, he did have a 1% owned player, which is fine. But like, dude, over the course of a thousand tries on that lineup, you're finishing dead middle of that GPP, dead middle of 50% because you have all 50% owned players. Like you're not passing the field with anything. So that Cole Kikuchi Yankees with three players is going to be owned by 30% of the field and your average outcome is going to be 1.5 X your money. And you're very unlikely to take down a tournament with it. Yeah. But I mean, the, uh, on today's slate, there'll be a little bit more disparity at the pitcher because we also got Darvish and Bueller. Oh dude. But I, I mean, about st- that. Right. Maybe but still people are going to go the Yankees against Jordan Lyles. Yeah. That's, that sounds like uh that sounds like the truck spot today. And, and Cole, dude, like Cole is going to be 55% owned, even though Darvish is on the slate. We saw it earlier in the year. Well, but currently the bat, the bat actually has Darvish with a higher raw point projection than Cole. That's pretty sexy. I like that. Well, he's got the Rockies. I mean, look at the Rockies lineup now. Yeah, but look at the Rangers. Dude, people hate the Rangers. Yeah, but I think the Rangers are a better hitting team than the Rockies. I agree with you, but people don't think that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, James, uh, someone asked before, uh, people could sign – I mean – I would prefer them, obviously, to also sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Look in the link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. Someone was asking about how do you, how do they get access to your model? Hey, so uh, you can find all of my stuff over at paydirtdfs.com. Um, I have all of my models under one price, so thirty dollars a month for MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, LOL, CS:GO, COD, anything that I offer NFL. Like when we get to that season, so you can go there and you can sign up. Um, Really, really happy with the way the models have been. And I actually do suggest that you also use the link for Roto Grinders because I use Lineup HQ when I need to build multiple lineups that I can't hand build. So like having both together, I think that the combination of using the bat and using my projections, that long-term, short-term sandwich, that's that's pretty. You know, that's going to be a tasty sandwich. So I think signing up for both those things. But you can find all my models at paydirtdfs.com and you can follow me on paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter. And then you could also get... Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. 15-hour audio DFS Masterclass. You can see all the chapters here. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology, miscellaneous, everything. You get everything here. Most people in the chat even, they already have this. I don't know. Why am I saying it? I don't know. Go to theoryofdfs.com and uh, all, all these concepts are in there. They're, they're, they're not like revolutionary or anything, but... Uh, appreciate all the people in chat uh now some people are arguing with each other whatever whatever (laughs) that's fine that's fine we just talk about stuff if they want to talk amongst themselves that's fine uh but uh, you can follow james at paydirt underscore dfs paydirtdfs.com theory of dfs.com how many plugs can we put in at the end of the show (laughs) uh i'm at blender hd uh 
on Twitter, and uh, and I'll be back tomorrow uh, talking about this eight game slate. We got big now that NBA regular season is over. Now they're they've upped these these baseball these MLB contests. So we got we got a we got a five dollar. We got like two, Fanduel has a five dollar like super duper and a. And the DraftKings has a $5 super duper and it's an eight game slate, 80,000 entries. You're going to need pretty much the nuts to, to, to win this. Uh, I'm going to try to make it. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about it and review it tomorrow because I'm here as usual every weekday, 11 o'clock Eastern for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 